welcome to the AD's office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckett. All right, what's up, sports fans? Welcome back to the AD's office for our ninth episode. Kind of crazy we're already there. I'm Alex, he's Devin. The office hours are officially open, and we have a whole bunch to get through this week. We have some heavyweight matchups in the NFC and AFC, some really good teams, some really bad teams, and midseason awards as we round out week nine of the NFL season. Midseason awards. This is going to be a good one to come back to, you know, in a couple months. Yeah, we'll see who uh, stays healthy and is able to pull it off over the long haul. Yeah, that is uh, that is definitely true. So out of respect, I want to acknowledge that the Detroit Lions are on their bye this week. Um, that so they were. we're not ignoring them. They just didn't do anything. Yeah, nothing really to talk about. Unless you want to talk about the Ravens whooping the Seahawks and how it made me feel slightly better as a Detroit fan. It might. It might. We'll get plenty of Ravens talk. But let's open it up with the other purple, Minnesota Vikings, Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. For those of you who didn't listen last week, shame on you. The Vikings made a trade deadline move for a quarterback after Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles. And Josh Dobbs came over from Arizona. He's been on, I think, four teams in this season, the offseason. He came in on Tuesday. He traveled with the Vikings to Atlanta on Saturday. He was listed as the backup slash emergency quarterback behind fifth-round rookie Jaron Hall. Yep. The only reason Dobbs was the backup is because the traditional or the expected backup this season, Nick Mullins or Sean Mannion, take your pick. Nick Mullins is out with an injury. Sean Mannion is on the practice squad. And with the trade, Dobbs had to be on the active roster. He wasn't supposed to touch the ball. Uh, But he touched it a lot. He touched the ball a lot. Second drive, Jaron Hall got knocked out at the goal line. And I mean that literally. Josh Dobbs had to come in after the wildest week of his career, I would imagine. He did not take a single snap with the offense during practice. He did not know the names of the players on the team. And he just casually went out there, went 20 of 30 for 158 yards, two touchdowns, 66 rushing yards with a rushing touchdown, no interceptions, and looked like he knew what he was doing and an offense that he quite literally has seen for 72 hours. No interceptions. He did have a fumble, though, and he was sacked for a safety. So, you know, it's not as if it was perfect. There were definitely a lot of hiccups. He still looked like Josh Dobbs, but Josh Dobbs was good enough to get the win. So pretty awesome for Vikings fans, won't lie. I think that it's such an awesome story that we're forgetting that he still wasn't amazing or anything. Like... Kirk Cousins is still 30 times better. Yeah, I'm not sure on the math, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just throwing out a number. That's, you know, by the seat of my pants. You're starting Cousins over Dobbs on any Sunday. Literally every single snap of every single game in all of history. <laughs> Cousins is better than Dobbs. Yes. And Dobbs looked great and got the win when it mattered. He had some really clutch plays. And he was doing it without the starting left tackle, Christian Derrissaw, who's one of the best left tackles in the league. And he was downgraded unexpectedly to out on Saturday afternoon. So David Questenberry stepped in, and shout out to David for stepping in with no first-team reps all week and playing the entire game. 
And then you also look at this offense, obviously missing Justin Jefferson, the centerpiece, and lost K.J. Osborne to a concussion midway through the game on a vicious hit. And so Dobbs is kind of playing back against the wall and never seemed to lose his composure. He didn't seem to lose his composure. I will say what's getting kind of lost in some of this in, in Minnesota is that this is kind of business as usual for Dobbs. Like he was traded before the season started, what, four days before the season started from the Browns to the Cardinals. And then he started that game for the Cardinals. It It's pretty much what Dobbs has done in his career so far. Granted, he was never starting before this year, but this is already his seventh team. That's crazy. It's, yeah, he's played on seven teams and he's... And he was drafted in 2017. Yeah, and 28 on seven teams. Most practice squad guys don't even do that. Granted, until this year, he essentially was a practice squad guy. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was impressive for him for sure. It wasn't perfect. No. It, his singular performance wasn't amazing. It was because of the fact that he had just gotten there. Yeah. But the actual things he did weren't amazing in a vacuum, but it was good enough. It was good enough. And if I had to give an MVP of the game for the Vikings, it's actually not a player. For me, it's the head coach. It's Kevin O'Connell. Apparently, the way he was calling plays in to Dobbs, he would read the play. Dobbs would repeat it word for word. And then O'Connell would use the last couple seconds that they can have the microphone and the speaker and the helmet. And he would explain the play to Dobbs. And so basically it was, you know, rattle off the play, let Dobbs repeat it, and then say, hey, 87 is going to be coming across on a short slant. You're going to have 17 going down the sideline looking for an out at about 10 yards. That's all O'Connell's able to say because they only have a few seconds. Yeah, because for those of you who don't know, there is a headset essentially built into a couple of the players' helmets. You get pretty much one on defense and one on offense, yep. right? So it's always so the quarterback. It's always the quarterback, and then most of the time a middle linebacker, sometimes a safety, essentially never a defensive lineman. But you get one on each side of the ball, right? And those microphones that go through from a coach to a player, they're one way. So the player can't talk back. Yeah, that's a good point. And they aren't active throughout the entire play. So you only get pretty much until two or three seconds before the ball is snapped to say whatever you want to say. So he can't be like, oh, Josh, you got, you know, KJ Osborne running up the uh, left sideline. Throw it to him right now. I can see him. Yep. That's not a thing. The headset is turned off at that point. It's not active mid play. So he was saying a lot of words in a pretty small amount of time. And it's crazy that Dobbs was able to get through that. He was able to take that information and do something with it basically instantaneously. But it's still just crazy that O'Connell was able to adapt a game plan on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. Pick plays that he knew Dobbs could handle and describe them in five to ten seconds well enough to pull off a very improbable victory oh yeah i think o'connell is easily in the conversation right now to be a top 10 coach in the league um with that being said i want to also 
do a little bit of talk about bringing the Vikings back down to the earth some. Arthur Smith, if he's not fired in the next two weeks, is going to be a surprise. Yeah, I know. The he's, Falcons head coach is not good. He's terrible. You and I both clowned him at the same time on our uh, Twitter slash X account this past yeah. weekend even. Gross mismanagement of assets. They drafted Bijan Robinson in the top 10 of this past draft. And then they hand it off to Tyler Algier. Who is, by virtually every metric, a bottom 10 running back in the NFL for those who get significant snaps. He has not played well. Bijan has played mostly very well. They refuse to give him the ball. Yeah, he's a, he's a video game character. He's a video game character. Everyone saw the clip of him from, I think it was week two, where the Falcons literally had basically a drone. It was one of the cameras on a a line, a cable, yeah, cable. going across the stadium. But it's it looks like it's from a drone shot because of the way they did it. It looks sweet. Everyone knows how talented he is. Everyone except Arthur Smith, apparently. Everyone except Arthur Smith. And then obviously they've got Kyle Pitts, the highest drafted tight end of all time, including those teams in like the 1950s who only had tight ends. Kyle Pitts was drafted first. So the ridiculous, ridiculous, gross misuse of him. They got Drake London, who was another top 10 wide receiver last season before Bijan. He had not very many targets and not to mention, they also were starting their own backup quarterback after benching Desmond Ritter, who has been very mad to below average to start this season. So it was their own quarterbacks and uh, Taylor Heineke, former Minnesota preseason legend. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was his first game with the Falcons. With all of that being said, the Vikings were still picked to lose. They still won. And Josh Dobbs still did it on a very, very short week without his best offensive players. Yeah, I I was impressed, and I'm a little bit of a realist, and you led with it. Cousins is better, and yep. the Vikings should not expect Dobbs to magically be a top-10 quarterback. But right. That, but that's okay. Revel in the win. It was a fun weekend, and you can be happy about having a fun weekend. Absolutely. Now, a game that we expected to be, I thought, more fun in an NFC clash between the Eagles and Cowboys. Obviously, that's a rivalry in and of itself. It means a little bit more this year because it looks like the winner of the NFC East will be the number one seed in the NFC. Right. Eagles got the win. I don't think anyone's shocked. But a 28-23 victory over a division rival, it never really felt that competitive i don't i don't know i i was a big fan of it to be honest the cowboys debatably outplayed the eagles and lost it was they outgained them like three to one in yards or something along that line and if dak doesn't not literally fumble but if he doesn't fumble the game away by stepping out of bounds on that two-point conversion yeah then the score's closer there. You know, the DeAndre Swift tried to fumble the game away. This time, I do mean literally, and was able to recover it. The Cowboys don't take advantage of that. 
Yep. The Cowboys shot themselves in the foot a couple of times on a game they could have stolen from not only a divisional rival like you mentioned, but the current number one seed in the NFC and foreshadowing yep. a little bit, both of our number one teams in the power rankings, I think. Yeah. I think my takeaway from that is I don't think we were surprised that the Cowboys shot themselves in the foot a couple times. True. And I don't think we True. were surprised that the Eagles in a gritty, kind of ugly football game did a little bit more and got the win. Valid. Valid on both pites. It's The Eagles are cream of the crop, even though they don't look super impressive, which says a lot. Yeah, they had finally showed up with massive wins the last few weeks after the beginning of the season. We were looking for excuses to knock them. Then they have this game. I'm still giving them the benefit of the doubt. Those last couple of wins looked awesome. A.J. Brown came back down to earth. You yep. know, his his record-setting uh, season of most consecutive games with 125 yards in a row came to a halt. But they got the win over a divisional rival. It was the first time that Dak and Jalen had played against each other since Jalen's rookie year. Last year, they didn't play against each other. Dak missed the uh. game. Yep, Dak missed one game, and Jalen missed the other game. So it was their first time going head-to-head in a while, and uh, Dak kind of outplayed Jalen, but Jalen got the win, and I don't think he really cares about the former. Nah, individual stats don't matter a whole lot when you have rings, and I think both of those teams have genuine Super Bowl aspirations this year. Oh, yeah. Yep, they're both going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. The Cowboys, even at 5-3, and They're going to be in. They can make some noise. In the AFC heavyweight matchup of the weekend, the Kansas City Chiefs and Miami Dolphins went at it. And I got to say, again, it's a team that the Chiefs are the cream of the crop. But they just don't look that impressive. They scored on their very first drive to open the game. And then it was like eight punts back and forth. And -hmm. the Chiefs scored on a ironically, on a Tyreek Hill, former chief, uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown. And it was 21 nothing at halftime. And the second half, the Chiefs just kind of walked around. They didn't do a thing. But, yeah. but their defense is good enough to keep the Dolphins in check. Yeah, you, you absolutely nailed it. I may have disagreed slightly on the Eagles-Cowboys one, but on this one, it was a game that was no nowhere near as exciting as we were hoping it would be, for sure. I wonder if we'll look back on the season and say those international games, because this one was a Frankfurt game. They were in Germany. Yep, Germany. Do we look back after the season and say, man, those international games were never that great? Maybe. Maybe. But it's theoretically an equal disadvantage. The, the sure. Dolphins and the Chiefs had to deal with time zones and travel and whatever else. And the Chiefs were the better team. And I don't want to get into it yet, but we're getting close to where we're going to have to start talking about the Dolphins now at 6-3. and three. Are they not as good as we thought? I was going to say the same exact thing. It's just like we talked about last week and – You know, last week we talked about what their coach, Mike McDaniel, said after the game. And he said, 
you know, guys, they told us they knew that if we lost this game, they were going to be saying we played cupcakes. Yep. And if we won this game, they were going to be crowning us as Super Bowl champions. Here we are a week later. You had another chance to make another statement win, and you again failed to do it. I get what you're saying. Media perception isn't everything. It isn't really anything. Yeah. But you had a chance to show up again in a game where the Chiefs offense did virtually nothing. Your defense kept them in check. And Patrick Mahomes even said as much after the game that they need to get the offense right and that the defense is a top 10, maybe top five unit in the league. Mm -hmm. And you failed to take advantage of it. Yeah. And for the Dolphins fans, I'm just going to say be wary of the hype that's coming. Because they're going to get some cupcakes again. They have Raiders, Jets, Commanders, Titans, and Jets again for the next five weeks. I bet Miami wins four, maybe five of those. They could go undefeated over that stretch. They'll look really good. But then the season wraps up with Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills. And that could come crashing down pretty quick. Yeah, and they might go defeated over that section. So... Uh, what seed they get and who their matchup is going to be in the first round is going to matter a lot in yeah. the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I'm i not totally sold on the Dolphins right now. No, no, me neither. The new look Las Vegas Raiders with Antonio Pierce as the interim head coach, yep. they had a fire sale in the middle of the night. They pulled a little Halloween special. Yeah. Cleared house. The team, the owner, Mark Davis, is on the hook for, I think it's like $85 million or something that he's going to have to pay Josh McDaniels. Yep. And they it just it didn't matter. It was time. Something yeah. needed to change. Yeah. Coach contracts in the NFL are fully guaranteed, not like players' contracts. So he's going to be paying that man for a long time. He's good for it. Mark Davis has a lot of money. Yeah, he's he owns right. an NFL team. He's fine. But yeah, I I was seeing some things about what may or may not have been the last straw in the Raiders organization. Yeah. Essentially after the loss to Detroit, which the fact that that's the last straw is peculiar to me. You'd think that losing to a really yeah. terrible team might be the last straw. But either way, the Raiders decided the that was the last straw. And they had Antonio Pierce, the new head coach, talk to the locker room. That was a decision that former head coach Josh McDaniels made. Hmm. Josh said, AP, not the AP that Minnesota is looking for. AP, I want you to talk to the team on my behalf. And AP played for the Giants in the 2000s that beat the Patriots. Yep. He made a reference to that Giants team in his speech to the locker room. And afterwards, McDaniels pulled him aside and said, I don't want you to ever talk about the Patriots organization like that again. Oof. So uh, Josh hasn't gotten over his ex. Josh hasn't gotten over his ex. Hmm. All right. (laughs) When you are clearly still living in your past and you only care about what happens to that team, Dude, why do you care about a loss that happened a decade ago? Yeah. Instead of the losses that you are piling up as a head coach today. Yep. 
it's it just wasn't working for the Raiders and something clicked. They something went out clicked. and just smacked the Giants. Now, to be fair, the Giants are bad, but 30 to, 30 to 6 is an impressive win even against a bad team. If you're a Giants fan, it went from bad to worse very quickly. Daniel Jones was back after missing, I think it was four games with a neck injury and almost immediately tore his ACL. I hate to even say this because I would never wish injury on one of these guys. You know, they're putting their bodies on the line for my own entertainment. Yep. Tyrod Taylor is better than Daniel Jones. Yeah, but Tyrod Taylor's on IR, so he's out for another three weeks. He's he's out another three weeks, and they are rolling with a hodgepodge of different guys depending on who's healthy. But most of them can do at the bare minimum what Daniel Jones does. And for a lot less money. Daniel Jones is collecting $35.5 million to recover from ACL surgery. Yeah, they are going to have to really just look at themselves in the mirror and say, we made a mistake. Um, we got to change course and just admit that we need to play this, pay this guy all this money and not play him. We'll see what the Giants can do the rest of the season with a change under center. Tommy DeVito is likely going to get the start next week. And he will be the 10th rookie quarterback to start a game this season, which is an NFL record. And we are only halfway through the season. Yeah. Yeah, that is something. There are a lot of not good teams, including the Commanders and Patriots, because they both looked decent in their game. And when both teams look decent, either both teams are decent or... Or they're both garbage. They're, they're both really bad. The more I look at what has happened this season and I look back on our power rankings from the last several weeks and things like that, Uh I realize this season is so peculiar because the good teams and the mediocre teams aren't separating themselves at all. We've got seven teams that we think are legitimate contenders. Yep. We've got three three or four or five teams that we think are in the basement and 20 that are shrug who knows exactly that which is a really interesting place you're right halfway through a season to have teams like the vikings who keep getting some good kind of impressive wins but you look at them and say there's no way they're actually good and you have teams like, I don't know, the Chargers or the Dolphins, where it's like, they're probably good. They just played yep. poorly. Right. But maybe they're not good. And then you have teams like the Ravens, where you're like, that team might win the Super Bowl. This year, it just feels like so much more than typical years, which is the case for the Commanders. The Patriots, we think, are bad. Yep. They're, they're bad. Mac Jones has looked better recently. But the Commanders are one of these middling teams trying to figure out what their identity is. Come the end of the season, that identity might be firing Ron Rivera. Riverboat Ron is not, uh, well, not Riverboat Ron anymore. Sam Howell, who is not good, has an occasional wow moment. Like, he had a beautiful touchdown pass to Johan Dotson where he just dropped it in the bucket from... 30 or 40 yards out and it was just gorgeous it was the most beautiful touch pass that you could ever ask for 
but he also had an interception again. Yep. And I can't even imagine as a GM, as a coach, when you look at the tape, it's like, okay, look, that play, that's why Daniel Jones is worth $35 million a year. But you have to ignore so many plays where you go, he might be dumb. I don't know. He might be just dumb. Like he doesn't understand football. That was a terrible look. What was he? What did he see? Yeah, and that's that's Sam Howell, and that's Sam Howell, and a whole lot of quarterbacks right now. Yep, pretty much. But we can no longer say that about Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Joe looks back, all the way back. All the way back. I texted you right when that game started after their first drive. His first drive, he had zero incompletions and a touchdown pass for like 50 yards. It it was a thing of beauty. He looks so back, and we now realize it may be just a trend for him to start the first month of the season as bleh and end up in the MVP race. Maybe that's just who he is. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say it right now. Before we get into the midseason awards, Burrow is not currently in any conversation for MVP. No. He, no. he missed a couple games. He basically even even if he was on the field, he was basically not playing those first few weeks. However, these last 2-3 weeks, that version of Joe Burrow is an MVP. Oh, for sure. He's played out of his mind lately. If we can even say that cuz we know he's capable of MVP. Yeah. So is it really out of his mind or is it just back to his old self? But he's playing incredible either way. Yeah, I'm a big fan of everything he's doing. Jamar Chase is injured. He's likely to not play this week. He's got a back injury that he apparently made worse in this past week's game. He took a shot. Yeah, yeah not great. So we'll see if that impacts the Bengals. But right now they're rolling. They look good. And I will also say they look good. The new jerseys that the Bengals rolled out a couple years ago, there's not a bad combination in that batch. They were wearing the neon orange socks this weekend, and every combination they've come up with, every time I turn on the TV, I'm like, mm, those are good jerseys. The white tiger with the alternate helmets have got to take the cake for me. They might be my favorite jerseys in the league right now. The helmet alone is my favorite helmet in the league. Yeah, it's pretty sick. And for the first time in a long, long time, the Bengals play is good enough to deserve those jerseys. Yeah, they're, they're playing pretty good. I will say they're still looking up at everyone in the division. They're still in fourth place because of that huge hole they dug themselves into. Even the Steelers, who somehow are winning games, despite being one of those mediocre, can't-figure-out-what-they-are teams. Uh-huh. That's definitely because Mike Tomlin is going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. But oh, that's yeah. crazy. The AFC North in general is just white hot. The Browns have the best defense in the league. The Ravens have the second best defense in the league. Yep. And right now, as it stands, all four AFC North teams would make the playoffs. It's just they are all playing so good, except the Steelers, who aren't playing good but are winning despite it. And Mike Tomlin even got asked asked about it Mm -hmm. this past week. He got asked, why is Kenny Pickett so bad in the first three quarters of every single game? And Mike Tomlin's response wasn't, no, he's not. I'm going to defend him. It was, but have you seen him in the fourth quarter? (laughs) (laughs) 
And he's right. Nah, he's, he's right. right. It's like in high school when you're getting picked on for a dumb mistake and you just start chanting scoreboard. Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of what the Steelers are doing. It's what Kenny Pickett is doing. It's like, yeah, my stats are trash, but I won. And Deontay Johnson got his first touchdown in over a calendar year. It's just, man, if they can start figuring things out, they're going to be a dangerous team down the stretch, too. Totally. And they could end up even making noise in that division. Right now, the AFC North belongs to the Ravens. And like you mentioned earlier, they thumped the Seahawks, which gives a little solace to Uh. you Lions fans. You and I, I think we both have the Ravens at number two this week. Mm-hmm. They made a really good case to be number one. Oh, yeah. I thought about it. and they're, I, I thought about it. I think they are the best AFC team by a decent margin. Yeah. Because they, yeah. they beat the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are a playoff team. They're the top of their own division. The Ravens went and handled business at home 37-3 to over the Seahawks. And Lamar Jackson had a very pedestrian day. He had 187 yards, no touchdowns, wasn't a super effective runner, and yet the Ravens were bringing in the backups partway through the fourth quarter in an absolute rout. And Kenneth Walker, the debatable best player on the entire Seahawks, Mm -hmm. I think he had less than 20 yards from scrimmage. Yeah, now that Ravens defense is scary. Yeah, they, they played very, very well. Lamar Jackson is... He's only ever lost one game to an NFC opponent, but this season alone, the fact that they've thumped up on the Lions and the Seahawks now, two teams who are looking to be top three, definitively top four seeds in their own conference's playoffs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's going to hurt. Oh, yeah. Now the Ravens look good, and Odell Beckham got a touchdown on his birthday. So it was just fun times all around in Baltimore this weekend. Yeah, it was pretty much the first time he's been relevant this year, probably. Or in the last two years, really. And I think maybe the greatest indicator of potential going into the second half of the season, point differential. So just straight up, are you scoring and are you stopping? Yep. The Ravens have the best point differential in the NFL, and it's not close. Nope. And like you said, the Bengals digging out of a hole. The Bengals' point differential is still negative. They've given up more than they have scored, but they're clawing back to that zero line. Mm -hmm. And we both think that Joe Burrow is good enough to get him on the right side of things before the playoffs start. Yep. Could come down to the wire. At the end of the day, Joe Burrow is the top three quarterback in the NFL at worst. He'll be fine. And we said that, you know, in the first three weeks of the season. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch the AFC North kind of unfold over the next few weeks. We want to dive into some midseason awards? Let's do it. Halfway through this season, and let's start with the big one. MVP so far, we've just been talking about him. For me, it's Lamar Jackson. We need to see if he can continue this play over the second half of the season. The last couple of years, he has been injured late in the year, but right now his completion percentage is 71.5, which leads the league, and that's not on screens and dump-offs. He's averaging 10.2 yards per play. He has the mm-hmm. sec- He's the second-best-rated quarterback in the league on passes traveling more than 11 yards down the field in the air. 
And obviously, Lamar is known as a rushing quarterback. He's leading the league with 48.9 rushing yards per game. He's on pace for 36 explosive runs, so runs over 10 yards by a quarterback. That would be an NFL record. Yeah. And then on top of that, he's only thrown three interceptions so far this season, which is a career low for him. Yeah, the lack of turnovers certainly helps him. The one thing that I think could keep him from a genuine MVP, he already has one. That's a good point. And if they don't if they don't dominate their division, I think it might be hard for voters to give him a second one without a clear, yeah, he's better than Joe Burrow. Yeah, he's better than Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he's better than the Steelers defense and Mike Tomlin. I don't I don't think we really need to ask if he's better than Deshaun Watson. He is by like a lot, <laughs> but Joe Burrow is a legitimate question. Um, I don't think he is better, but he may be having a better season. I think that's fair. And that's what MVP is based off of. It's not, are you better historically? It's who's the best right now. Yep. And really this off season, I could go on a rant for, a full episode about how MVP isn't actually most valuable. It's best. And that's not the same thing, but the NFL voters view it as one. And that's stupid. Yep. But it is what it is. Maybe I'm subconsciously still mad at him for the lion's loss. So I'm, I'm going to have Jalen hurts edge out Lamar Jackson's really? by just a little bit. Okay. Just, it's like a coin flip to me. Jalen hurts is dominating the NFC. He hasn't lost to a bad team. The Eagles only have one loss versus the Ravens. They lost to the Steelers, especially when we thought the Steelers were really terrible. Mm -hmm. MVP shouldn't be, but is very often about wins. And that loss to the Steelers hurts my brain for him. I'm going to give it to Jalen Hurts just barely. He is overall, he has the uh, 69% completion percentage. Yep. Um, he's got the best in-pocket quarterback rating. He already has eight interceptions, which is tied for, I think, second in the league, which is bad. That's it's, tough. Yeah, it's bad. It's it's tough to overcome. But he also is tied for, I think, second in rushing touchdowns in the league. He's scoring a lot of points, and they are probably the most efficient offense in football. The brotherly shove or tush push or whatever you want to call it is a massive part of that. But no one else can accomplish that, and that's largely in part due to Jalen Hurts and the fact that, like we've said a million times, he can squat like 45,000 pounds, so... 600, but yeah. Yeah, so I just... I'm going to just barely give him the edge at the moment. I'm cool with it. I'm cool. Most of my waiting is on the Steelers' loss, I think. Yeah, I'm cool with Jalen. I think there's a conversation with Mahomes, obviously. Tua, depending on how the Dolphins finish out the season right now... I'm sticking with Lamar. You know, I love Patrick Mahomes. He is one of my favorite players. I've always been high on him. Yeah. Big 12 football fan, role clones. I loved that a Big 12 guy is, you know, making it in the league. I was for him before he was drafted. I was never on the bandwagon. He's been my guy. He does not deserve it this year. Not even close. He is not in the same conversation as Hertz or Lamar, in my opinion. All right. I'm fine with that. Look, he was so meh this past weekend. You can't have a meh game and win MVP in that season. No, that's fair. But he could end up with a Super Bowl MVP. And Oh, yeah, I'm cool with that. The 
Coach of the Year, I think, is an interesting one. I'll say it. For me, it's your boy, Dan Campbell and the Lions. Yeah. The Lions right now have an, a roughly 83.5% chance of winning the NFC North. It is the That would be the first time that the Lions have won the North since the NFL restructure in 2002, a.k.a. ever. The Lions first, have never won this NFC North. No, no. The last time they won any division, it was known as the NFC Central and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played it. How's a team in Florida and the central part of America? I don't know. I think that's pretty ridiculous, but they fixed it. So who cares? Yeah, the Lions have never won this version of their current division. I think that it's him for me too, but granted that I want to try to avoid some of my bias, I think I'm going to give it to Mike Tomlin. Okay. Only on the technicality. All I right. think Dan Campbell is doing better. <laughs> no, I think I think Campbell midway through the season is the guy. I think John Harbaugh, just because the Ravens are looking so good, deserves yeah. some chatter, but I think Dan Campbell is doing more with less, and I'm giving it to him so far. The thing for me is that, keep in mind that I'm only giving it to Tomlin on a technicality, and that's a fake answer, and I actually do believe it's Campbell. It's Campbell. It's Campbell. Tomlin and Harbaugh have proved success. They both have Mm, one Super Bowls even. Good point. Dan Campbell is taking a team that won three wins, a roster that was absolutely terrible, dumpster fire of the league, and he is now turning it into a NFC contender. That's pretty freaking good. It's impressive. And it seems... It seems like, from the outside looking in, the Lions are also building this thing for the long haul. They're good. They're not quite there yet, and you have admitted that all season. Right. This This year's Lions team is a playoff team. Probably need to pump the brakes on NFC Championship. Yeah. I'd love to see them in the divisional round, and that's kind of where I think it could be. All right, Offensive Player of the Year. I think any answer other than Tyreek Hill for midseason – is ridiculous. Tyreek has been on another planet. Okay, hear me out. Okay. Hear me out. Okay. Christian McCaffrey averages more than one touchdown per game. That's a good stat. Tyreek Hill has had multiple games where he's done nothing. This past week, less than 100 yards, no touchdown, fumble. It's true. Christian McCaffrey. Interesting. Okay. Touchdown, more than one touchdown every single week for basically ever for like what like 17 games in a row he scored at least one touchdown he had one game this year where he had what four touchdowns or three touchdowns yeah no cmc is a he's a machine i don't hate it i will say my second place right now is aj brown it's hard to give it to a running back over to dominant receivers and i will predict A.J. Brown ends up with it come end of season. Okay. He, he is more consistent than Tyreek. Yeah. Obviously, this, this was not his greatest week, but like you said, six games in a row with over 125 receiving yards. An NFL record. NFL record, and he's on pace right now for season numbers that we haven't seen since 2008, which... Uh, was when we had Reggie Wayne and Randy Moss still playing on the outside. Good yeah. company. Yeah, and A.J. Brown gets the touchdowns that I don't think Tyreek Hill really has. 
AJ Brown might end up with the triple crown. The only person we've seen do that in recent memory is Cooper cup who did win offensive player of the year. It it's, it's going to be tough yeah. between those three come the end of the season. I think if I had to put money on it, I also think it's going to end up being AJ Brown mid season. I'm going to give it to C- CMC just because he is like 30 or 40% of their offense and he scores a touchdown every single game and touchdowns matter more than yards. All right. I'll hear that defensive player of the year. We've talked about him all season. I'm giving it to miles Garrett. It is a little bit. It's a little bit too easy to give it to the best player on the best defense. And Garrett genuinely is the best player on the best defense. He has nine and a half sacks. 27 pressures and here's the here's the important thing here 27 pressures on 188 rushers for comparison daniel hunter has 28 pressures just one more on 280 rushes almost a hundred garrett's getting double teamed second most in the nfl the first most is micah parsons and he still has the second best rush win percentage four forced fumbles he's keeping the browns in games he's making them competitive when their offense is kind of sputtering for me miles garrett is clearly the option right now i mean the crossover from earlier this season says it all right yeah it's crazy like and there's gonna be vikings fans that are gonna say well daniel hunter leads the league in sacks what are you talking about yeah here's the thing Daniil Hunter is having an awesome season. If you were to look at odds for defensive player of the year through the first half of the season, he's not in the top five. He's not even the best odds in his own division. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson has higher odds. That's not me being a homer. That's just the fact of what Vegas thinks right now. And I don't think Aiden Hutchinson should even be in the conversation. No, and I don't think he realistically is. No, no, I don't think he realistically is at all. But that tells you what people who are less biased than you, not you, Alex, but you, Vikings fans potentially, yep. think about Daniil Hunter. He's a top 10 edge rusher. He's awesome. He's very, very good. He's not in that elite status. Yep. TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, and Max Crosby. I really, really want to give the nod to Max Crosby because he's so good compared do to it. the team around no, him. Do it. Max Crosby is a he is my second and all res- He's so good. I wanna like throw caveats on there and you know, TJ Watt, Michael Parsons. No, Max Crosby is lighting it up. He has the most pressures in the NFL, and he's the best player on a bad defense. Max Crosby might not only be the best player on that defense, but he might be the best player on the entire team. Ooh, spicy. He's really good. He's really good. With that being said, I think it does go to Miles Garrett. Like you said, it's a little bit too easy to give it to the best player on the best defense. But sometimes easy and right are the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I think so this time. But if Max Crosby wins it, I'm going to look back at today's tape and I'm going to say... Devin, you son of a gun. Should have just, <laughs> just said it. Should have just said it. All right, let's wrap up the awards with some rookies. Offensive Rookie of the Year, 
Not even a question, it, right? It's CJ Stroud. By a mile. After like, after this weekend. There's nothing. No, he, he's just the sixth player in NFL history to have 450 yards with five touchdowns, no interceptions. First ever rookie to do that. And he's doing it with a really lackluster offense. His best receiver is a third-round rookie named Tank Dell. Yeah, absolute stud. And it's not even... Honorable mention to guys like Bijan or Puka Nakua or it's not it's CJ Stroud and I it's almost over already. I don't even know if it's an honorable mention because it's so not close. It's like you get a, a regular mention. Regular it's not honorable. Regular mention. Congratulations on being even slightly in the conversation when CJ Stroud is so head and shoulders above everyone else. It's that simple. It's it's that simple. He plays for a not good team that does not have a first round pick this upcoming year. And he doesn't have a single member of his offensive line starting wild. None of his starting offensive linemen have played for like a month and he has no running game partially because of that. Mm -hmm. Damian Pierce has been excessively mediocre. He's got a bunch of rookies with him on offense and with his tight end. And like you already mentioned, tank Dell. Yeah. Do we even have to talk about it anymore? Offensive rookie of the year. CJ Stroud defensive rookie of the year. I'm honestly, I could be convinced one of two ways for me. It's either Devin Witherspoon from the Seattle Seahawks Mm -hmm. or it's Jalen Carter from the Eagles. This bums me out so bad because if you would have asked five weeks ago, there were more players who were in this race and two of them got heavily derailed because of injuries Mm. through three weeks in the season. Yeah. It was Lions rookie Brian Branch by, like, a lot, by a good chunk. Yeah, he looked incredible. Until, like, week seven, he had more tackles for loss than Jalen Carter and Will Anderson Jr. combined. Which is unbelievable. As a defensive back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he then ended up missing several games. He's no longer really in the hunt. He's probably still in the top five for odds if I check today. But... He's he's pretty much out of it because of those missed games. Same can be said for Patriots rookie Christian Gonzalez. Dude was balling. He yeah. was very, very good for that defense out for the season. Yep. So essentially, like you said, we're looking at Devon Witherspoon and Jalen Carter. I've got to give it to Jalen Carter. He's a top okay. three defensive tackle in the league right now. Yeah. And how do you end up that good when you're a rookie? Because you're that good. I will say yeah. it's a midseason award. So with Good that point. asterisk, I'm going to leave Witherspoon on the top spot. He is allowing just five yards per target. I think what ends up separating the two, and I because I think Carter ends up with it come end of season if he stays healthy. Witherspoon plays for Seattle, and they are a very zone-heavy defense. So we won't get to see the man-to-man lockdown performance against a top receiver. and I Yeah, that's a good point. I think for a cornerback to win a player of the year award, they need to have some signature performance where you go, man, he shut down so-and-so. Sauce Gardner last year. Yeah. He didn't win it because of flashy plays. Witherspoon has a pick six on the year. It was sweet. It was... I think it was 99 yards. Yeah, no, it was it was mega. 
it was awesome. Sauce Gardner, I don't know if he even had an interception last year when he won it, and he's a cornerback. So it's, you know, pretty apples to apples. Yep. You got to have some flashy one-on-one moments. Witherspoon's probably not going to get them. Carter, I think you're right. Already maybe a top three defensive tackle and getting better. And getting better. He plays on that stacked defensive line in Philly, so that helps him a lot. But maybe we just all overthought him tremendously. His characters have, character concerns have not come up yet this season. Yeah, He's got a long career, potentially. They've got time to come back. But we did talk about him as the number one overall pick, you know, in true. February. That's true. And then so many things happen. A lot of them that he was involved in. A teammate of his at Georgia dies. Uh, and then he ends up on the Eagles, and now he's defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes just being in the right place matters a whole lot. Philly is working for him, and Philly's working in general. In the power rankings, we both have the Eagles on top, Ravens two, Jaguars three. It's, yeah. it's been a while since we've agreed on the top three. We we agree on the bottom three, too. Bottom four, even. Yeah. No, the bottom, we, we talked about, we know Panthers, Cards, Giants, and then Broncos. So that bottom four, we are on the same page. But, yeah, I uh, you want to talk about your, your top five, five rounder out? Yeah, Eagles, Ravens, Jags, one, two, three. I pulled the Bengals all the way up to four. Joe looks good. And then I have the Chiefs, five, Lions, on a bye week, did nothing to deserve getting bumped down, but I dropped them to six. That's a lot more to do with Joe Burrow than it is to do with the Lions. Yeah, I I agree on many counts. I, on a bye week, bumped them up a spot. Nothing to do with them. Everything to do with the Chiefs. The Chiefs, despite winning, they just... I can't put them over the Lions when the Lions won at home against them. Um, and that they've looked as bad as they've looked in some of these games. Their offense did virtually nothing. Granted, that reasoning doesn't always work because I do have the Seahawks below the Lions and the Seahawks won in Detroit. But the Chiefs just haven't done enough for me this year. Their offense looks fishy. Their defense does look awesome, though. Yeah. But rounding out my top five, I do have Eagles, Ravens, Jags, like we talked about. I've got Detroit at four, Chiefs five, and Bengals on the fringe at number six. Joe looks good. Bengals are back. They likely will continue that streak for the next few weeks. I think that is all we got here in the AD's office. Yeah, go ahead and check us out wherever you you, uh, get your podcasts at uh, Spotify, Apple Music. Maybe there's another one out there that I don't know about, but we'll maybe be on it potentially. We're out there. Subscribe, follow along on Twitter slash X, Instagram, at the AD's office. Stay in touch. New episodes every Wednesday. Office hours officially closed. Thanks for joining us in the AD's office. Tune in next week as we take you through our takes on the NFL.